When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat where I'm joined by my colleague Jack Ball. Hi Jack. Good morning. It's only a few days before the players report back to pre-season training now, so with that in mind we have invited former Argyle favourite Danny Salmon in to join us for this week's show. Hi Danny. Hi Stu. How former are you? Former Argyle favourite, well, how much did you pay in for that? <laughs> <laughs> Got to uh, keep the guests sweet, Jack. I don't know. I've come all this way in. It took me two minutes. <laughs> um, as I say, Danny, pre-season, oh, I imagine, well, looking at your career, you've had plenty of pre-seasons in your time. Um, what was it like for a player to, to go into that pre-season? Well, I can vouch that I would say 99.9% of players don't like pre-season. Um, in my day, most players came back really unfit, not have done anything... Um, so they never really looked forward to it. To be fair, I was so bored sitting around indoors, I looked forward to pre-season and uh, I was just one of the odd one, odd ones out at that time. And uh, But mainly, you know, we, we know we have to get ourselves fit, get ready for the start of the season, but it is hard work for a lot of players who, who come back uh, a little bit overweight and, and not particularly uh, ready to go. As you say, very different in your day compared to what it is now. I mean, players go away these days and they get given training programmes and all that type of thing. What, what sort of stories can you tell us of pre-season and certain players that came back slightly Yeah, well, I've got to be honest with you. I mean, players would come back so overweight at times. I mean, at Millwall, we had Terry Herlock, um, Tony Cascarino, um, and uh, we had what, probably about three or four with them that would actually be soaking themselves in a hot bath with plastic dustbin bags wrapped around them to sweat. It's because um, at Millwall, they had to come back a certain weight. Um, and if they were above that certain weight, they would have to, and they would be in every morning when the hot bars all together trying to lose weight. So it was very difficult in our, in our day trying to get players back fit because they'd go on holiday, have loads of drink, loads of food, really not do anything. Um, and it's totally different now. Like you said, you know, they get um, work to do away from uh, the club while in pre before pre season, and they do come back fairly fit already um, in today's football. So. Uh, there is a big difference uh, yeah. from there. What did you do then during the pre-season? Were you someone who kept yourself fit during the off-season? I, I was mad. I was more designed for today's football than then because as soon as I had my holiday and I would be training when I was on holiday, I'd come back and go running and doing weights and doing all the things that they do now. So I was, um, the players would non-stop have a go at me for being so fit when I came back. Uh, and it was just one of those things that happened. But uh, I, like I said, I was the odd one out in that day. So. Well, I was going to say, cause you told us before that you didn't drink as a pro either. So very, no, very much. Well, I didn't do anything that the others <laughs> did. So. <laughs> um, let's go on to uh, our goal then. What, what have you made of the signings so far? They made their fifth on Friday with the signing of Joel Grant. Have you been impressed with what Derek Adams has done so far? Well, I think Derek Adams has got a try out of the pool of the players that you get in those league, league, league two and league one, there's only so many players to go around and he'll have his targets. Now, whether they're his first or second targets, that's, we don't know. 
But what you've got to also be looking at is how can you improve from what you had last year and what do you want for this year and, and the way you want to play, how you want to play and that sort of thing. And if you look at the players that have come in, you would say so far that they are better players on paper than have been let go. So until they come in and start playing, we're really not going to know because a lot of the players at this level are hit and miss. They can be very good and be not so good. And that's this level for you. But I would say that what I've seen so far on paper, I would say they're probably the players that we've let go compared to the ones that have come in. The ones that have come in are of a better standard, I would say. Anyone particularly that's stood out for you? Or? Not really. I mean, I know that Ainsworth um, has shown a lot of promise as a winger. You know, I like I like you know teams to have exciting players and you know, but we've had Greg Wilde that could have been ten out of ten or two out of ten every week, um, and we're looking for that consistency um, for our from our forward players scoring goals regularly or players that can go out there and beat players and create. And I think that we're hoping that that's what he's going to do. I'm looking forward to seeing him. Um, yeah, I, I I think you know. Um, so far, I think the, the signs have been good, and I'm hoping that we get uh, a little bit more attacking flair coming into the uh, into the squad. It's so far the signings they've been quite similar, really, haven't they? Joel Grant and um, you talk about Ainsworth. He, he seems to be going for these attacking midfielders, and the, the lad from Coventry as well. Yeah, I think I think you know he wants to play a certain way, um, and I think that he knows what he wants, um, and I think that's what he's doing. He's trying to get people that can fill in wide areas if he's going to play the same system as he did last year. So um, I think he's looking for his style of play with players that he wants to bring in. Um, and hopefully um, he does what he did last year, which is bring in players that um, you know he can get the best out of. I think if you look at last year as well, I think the day that most Argo fans will remember is the day that we signed David Goodwillie and Naris Bovitis on the same day. Both international players or formerly international players and they were the ones that I think got our most excited throughout the summer. And in the end, it didn't really work out for either of them. So, you know, paper and reality is a totally different situation, isn't it? But it's interesting you say that, actually, Jack, because uh, one of the questions or one of the comments I've seen quite regularly on the Argyle chat form, forums is um, the fact that there's been no big-name signings so far. I think, I think uh, yeah, you're up big names, possibly, but I think Ryan Edwards looks very exciting. Yeah. Player. He's player of the season at Morecambe, played virtually every game. He's a good age as well, and I think... Adam seems to be getting a mix of experience and youngsters that are coming into a decent age. Ruben Lamera is another one that's been around for a bit in a decent age. Um, and as Danny said, there's, there's only a certain amount of fantastic players out there. And it's, you know, you're not always going to get Graham Carey's coming to League Two and League One, as it were. Um, but I think there's going to be a good mix. And Adam's, throughout his two years here, has signed players that haven't always been the, you know, the best of their game. And he's been able to get, along with Paul Watson and Craig Brewster, been able to get that out of them, you know. Jake Jervis has never had a spell where he scored as many goals and he's playing out on the wing, he's not playing up front. Jordan Slew didn't excite many people, but in the first half of the season he was quite impressive. So I don't think names necessarily is what people should be looking I, I at. I think you're right, we've got to forget this. What, what do supporters want as big names at this level? I mean, you know, we're not going to go and sign Lionel Messi, are we? And I know that I'm going exaggerating a little bit, but we're not going to get the... What you're looking for is the potential that you can make better and more consistent. And if he's... You know, the two years that he's been there, he has done that. He has brought play. No, Kerry wasn't a name when he came to us. Yeah. He's now a name. Now, we're hoping that that's what's going to happen. I mean, there ain't going to be many teams in League 1 and 2 that are going to get big names. They're just going to get experienced players or youngsters with potential. And I think Jack kind of hit the nail on the head there. You mentioned David Goodwillie and Bolvitis. 
two that were probably the biggest name signings of last summer and you know they couldn't hold down a first team and, and the other one was Carly Osborne who got obviously for League 2 level as it yeah. was then was a big name was a big name I would say and he got injured in pre-season and you just never know how things are going to work out and we, we none of us were overly amazed by the signing of Sonny Bradley when it happened and now look everyone you know raves about him and rightly so he's player of the year he's a strong player so I, names are just that they're just names I don't Derek Hammers has proved that he can get the best out of certain players, so I don't think people should be judging on 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 a name or or the clubs they come from. No, Danny, when you're a player, what was it like this time of year? Obviously, there's so much speculation going around. Again, different in your day, I'd imagine, with fewer agents and things like that. But what was it like? Was it an unsettling time as a player because you didn't know who your teammates were going to be going into the new season? And um, no, like it wasn't. It wasn't a problem for us because there was no way the amount of players coming and going. I mean, it was very rare that you would lose more than a couple of players in any one season. Purely and simply because the squads were smaller, the agents weren't around, um, and players were consistent with the clubs that they were at. You'd get the odd one or two players that would come. Players would look forward to coming back to pre-season and with the new signings, but we never really thought about it. Now, I mean, you what did last season? 14 players left, 14 players came. It wouldn't happen in my day. There's no way you could get rid of 14 players because your squad was 15 players, your first team, actual first team squad. Um, and there, there was a lot more loyalty then and a, and a lot more players staying a lot longer in each club. So um, in that sense, it's all very different. But for, for as, as whether I was worried or did I worry and speculate? No, not at all, because um, it, it, we didn't have the media that we had then. If, if a manager signed a player, we'd only know about it. We either saw it in the newspaper or when we turned up for training. And what about no, when your contract was coming to an end? Did you ever tend to wait and see what, who was coming in and the ambitions or what did you sign pretty quick? What no, was that sort of like? I was very quick signing. If I wanted to stay at the club, they'd come in there, they'd sit me down and say, right, this is what we're going to offer you. And I'll say, you know, can you offer me more? And they'd say, no, I'd say, thank you very much. Give me a pen and I'll sign it. And that's what happened year in, year out. There was, you know, it literally took me five minutes. And was that common? Did things drag on a lot back when you were playing? Or were no, things done just so, a lot quicker than they are these no, days? No, much quicker. We, we used to go in there. The manager did the, the talking. The chairman was very rarely in there. Um, I can't remember a time. The club secretary might have been in there doing the paperwork. Uh, the manager would sit me down and say, we want to give you another two-year contract. And congratulations. This is what we're going to offer you. Whether I wanted to read it at home or there, I'd read it. It's quite basic. There was a, there was a bonus sheet. There was my wages. There was my uh, bonuses. You either sign it or you say no. There wasn't a lot of queries going on, and it was only when I think towards the end of my Millwall career, when there was a little bit more money flying about, that that changed. But uh, and obviously at '92 when Sky came along, mm. um, and agents became very prevalent from then on. So uh, yeah, very different times. What about in the summer between clubs? Did you have a, a, a did you have a move during? pre-season or, or not? Did I have a move as in a transfer? Um, yeah, well, I came to Plymouth Argyle um, from Millwall. Um, I think it was uh, probably just towards the end of the transfer deadline. It was deadline day, March. March, so that's, that's, March. Yeah. that's right. Uh, so the season hadn't started then anyway. So um, I, you know, I started with pre-season, but um, it was done differently in those days. I went from Brentford to Millwall. Uh, and Mill to Plymouth, so I've had a, a, a couple of moves um, uh, when my contract's come to an end, or somebody wanted to buy me. 
How did that come about then? You, you know, I imagine you kind of knew about Plymouth, but you probably didn't know anything about the area or anything like that. What, I played what against you to come down. Um, well, one, I knew David Kemp from his Wimbledon days, um, and secondly, um, you know, he talked to me about the area, so he, I came down here to have a look, and straight away I lived in London all my life. So when I saw the Plymouth Hoe and the area itself, and I had two young children then. Um, I decided that it would be better for them to get out of London um, and grow up and I, at that time, um, I wanted to, a new challenge and a, a new thing, but it was mainly more family orientated when I came. Um, and I really liked the area straight away and uh, didn't hesitate. And we've not been able to get rid of you since. So <laughs> we've not been rid of you since and I've still been here 27 years later. <laughs> so what made you stay? What attracted you to the area to make you want to stay here after, afterwards? I, I just think it, it, it's, it's a nice place to live. I mean, I know that there's a lot of faults with Plymouth in regards growing up as a youngster and, and, and work and, and money. But for somebody like me who grew up in London and, and saw the city, um, going up on the hoe, you know, two or three minutes from my house and, and going to the moors and just was a much calmer way of life and I'd lived in the rat race in London ever since I was a kid um, and it got a little bit too much and uh, I was I was just really pleased to get out and honestly pleased to stay as it, well. It's very true what they say, you speak to a lot of managers and they say the difficult part is attracting players down here but when you get them down here it's very rare that they actually want to leave. Well I, I actually don't believe all that, I think managers tend to, unless you're a lone player, that wants to stay near home because you're on loan for a month or two. If you're a player, I don't know many players that wouldn't go anywhere. I mean, we've got players coming from abroad. You know, would they not come down here because Plymouth Argyle's a long way? How many players have we had from Scotland, which is the other end of the country? Players, managers have got to convince players because the club's a good club, it's going to be a progression for them and the money's right. If that's there, a man, a man, a man a very rarely a player won't move for those reasons. You know, I don't know of many players that will turn around and say, well, the money's good and the club's good, oh, but it's, it's a long way from where I live, so I'm not going to go. I, I think managers, it's an easy way of managers turning around and saying, oh, I couldn't get him and he wouldn't come and he wouldn't come. Um, I just think that uh, if you really are a good manager that can convince people that this is the right club for you, I think players will come if it's right for them. Now, we put a story out on the website earlier on asking people to send their questions in, and as per usual, we've had a, a, a fantastic response, wow. so um, we'll crack on with some of these if we can then, Danny. Okay. Dave Searle, do you think the Graham Carey situation has dragged on for too long, or is this just the modern game? Uh, it's just the modern game. We would love Graham Carey to sign quickly, and we've got him, and we know we've got him, and then we can fill gaps, but very briefly, his agent and him will look at all his options, will take his time. And if he gets a much better offer from a championship club or a club hire, but let's just say a championship club that suits him, the money's better, you know, a league hire, um, I think he'll go. But if those those moves are not there and the offers from agents um, and clubs uh, are not right for him, he'll sign and he'll take as long as he needs to take. So that's the way we are in this world at the moment. And uh, I think, you know, we'll just have to wait and see what he decides to do. There's a lot of speculation around with uh, Graham Carey being potentially linked with the move to Portsmouth. Do you see any truth in that at all? Um, there might be, but would he go to Portsmouth? I mean, the money might be better. Um, a slightly bigger club, maybe, in, in some ways, being at the top level not long ago. Um, but, you know, he's loved here. He knows Adams. Um, it wouldn't probably be the best option for him. I would think that if, if I was Kerry, unless I've got a club in the championship or higher, 
I'd stay put and sign on dotted line. Jack, do you, how do you feel if uh, your your hero went off to Pompey? Well, uh, well, Chris Arrington did a piece. He spoke to the um, to the his the Chris Arrington of Portsmouth, as it were, and he, he had spoken to the the powers that be at Portsmouth and said there was no interest. That story went online, so that apparently that rumor is not true. But if Curry was to go, he's he has been a great player player over the last two years, and there's no doubt that if Argyle sold him for what half a million. Three quarters of a million. I don't think Argyle would have got promoted last season. I think his goals and his set pieces were invaluable. But I have faith in Derek Adams to recruit a decent replacement. Okay, maybe he won't be as good as Graham Carey because it's hard to find players like that. But I have absolute faith that he'll 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 sign a decent enough player to to replace him. And I'd much rather have a team of players that wanted to be at Plymouth Argyle than players that wanted away. David Doyle, uh, he's slightly worried, saying that there's plenty of midfielders that are being signed, but no recognised striker. Only Ryan Taylor, who is okay, but he doesn't score enough goals. Also worth mentioning, of course, that Nathan Blissett is uh, under contract for next season. But do you, do you think yeah. the strikers need to come in, Danny? I, 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 I understand what the supporters are worried, and to be honest with you, we need somebody that is slightly different to Ryan Taylor. You know, you've got players that have to be out of play around him. Quick, mobile player. If we can find somebody that is quick and mobile, I think that's what that good Willie came in for, to be that type of player. As it turned out, he wasn't, you know, he didn't quite do it for us. But I think it would be great if we can actually go out there and find one or two players that are a little bit different to what Nathan Blissett is, to what Ryan Taylor is. Um, because sometimes you need that players to, to turn defences, to get in between the lines, get into channels. You don't want really Ryan Taylor doing that work. You want other players doing that work. And I think that, um, you know, I'm not overly worried, but I do understand and I, and I do agree we need to find something that's a little bit different, a little bit more quick, fiery, a little bit of a poacher um, up front. The, 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 only thing, the only problem with that, I think, is if you're trying to recruit like that, just say someone like Connor Chaplin, you know, who's quick, you know, if, he wouldn't possibly look at Derek Adams, how he sets up his team and say, look, you're, you're playing 4-5-1, I'm not going to be that one man at the top. Am I going to get regular first-team football? And I think that's the, going to be where the difficulty lies, is you've got to convince someone that might not get first-team football unless Derek Adams is planning to change his tactics, which throughout his managerial career, he's not done very much. He's not manoeuvred from what he believes is right. So I think that's where the struggle might come. But going back to whether fans should be worried, I think you know, pre-season's not even started yet. I'd much rather Adams took his time and signed the right player than just snapping up a name to, to please people. You know, it's, Derek Adams has proved, as I've said, over the two years that he will spend his budget wisely and get the right player in at the right time. I think he will be looking to bring another forward in, without doubt. But I think, it, again, it's finding the right one that is going to come to Plymouth Argyle. Mm. And, and, but I, I've got no doubts that that's what he'll be trying to do because I can't for the life of me not think that he's going to leave uh, us with just two players mm. that can play up top. There must be at least another two, yeah. two coming in. But again, it's going, to be a, it's going to be a work in progress for him between now and the start of the season. I think Jack's right. I think it's convincing that player that he's probably not going to be a first-team regular and would a player be happy to sit on the bench? Cause and if they he, are, are they good enough? That's the other well, question. Well, that's it. Like Danny mentioned earlier on about players playing around mm. Taylor and, and Blissett. And you look at the signings made so far, Lemiris, Grant and uh, Ainsworth are probably those players that you play yeah. off of. Off well, he might do, you see, because, you know... Jake Jervis has played up front and alongside yeah, somebody. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to be adaptable. This league is all about bringing a squad of players that are adaptable. And we're not just going to play 4-2-3-1 every week. We are going to change. We might play 4-1-4-1. We might play 4-1-3-2. 
there's, there's loads of, but it's not about the, the, the formation. You know, we can call it whatever we want. It's how you play on the day compared to the opposition. And, and I think he's, got, he's just got to find a squad of players that can rotate, that can play in one or two different positions, but he's got to bring enough of them with enough quality to progress from where we were last year. And also contracts haven't actually expired yet. So for all we know, there could be a few lined up for next week, is it, when July, yeah, July, July begins? So, yeah. so we could expect a few things to happen then. Yeah. Richard Sloman's asking, do you think the players will notice a big difference playing, playing in League One compared to League Two? You, I think you played in all four leagues, didn't you, Dan, yeah. in your career? Yeah. So did you notice a big difference between each league? Yeah, I think each league that you go up, you, it gets a little bit quicker, a little bit tougher. But I've got to be honest, I don't think there's a massive difference between um, the League One and League Two. The, the, the difference will be the teams coming from Premiership to Championship and then coming down again that had a bit of money, that probably still got a bit of money, they're the ones that you're going to go to better grounds, bigger bigger pressures on the, the opposition. Um, and I think uh, with, with slightly better players if they can keep them. Um, but each step you go up, you, the, the players will find that level. But looking at the players that got promoted last season up, they all did particularly well. Oxford, Northampton, Bristol, all, well. none of them struggled. Um, all those clubs that went up in recent years. Um, and I think if we recruit well, I've got no. I, I honestly think that he will be targeted playoffs for this season. That's what I believe. You look at the teams that went up the year before that, the Fleetwoods and Rochdale's, yeah. you know, they're up there challenging at the top end of League One as well. And Burton Albion, again, yeah, another team that have got yeah. I, I think the gap between League Two and League One is the smallest of the gaps between the divisions. Um, yeah. There's, if, if you can play your football right, if you can get you know, a good run of form together, I don't see much of a difference. And I think, as Danny said, from everything that we know about Derek Adams, from everything Chris tells us, from everything we know when we speak to him, he's a very ambitious manager. And I don't believe for a second that in his head he won't be hoping for a push similar to what he did in League Two. Yeah. yeah. Gary Palmer's asking something that we kind of touched on a minute ago, but perhaps we can go into it in a bit more depth. Uh, do you think Derek Adams will use different tactics and a style of play for home games next season? And do you think playing with one up front is the best way to go about it? Do you see a change in tactics? Or do you think, as no, Jack said, it'll be a one up front no, again? No, I think he sticks with what he likes. Um, and managers have all got their likes about how they like to play. 4-4-2, some managers have got a certain way of playing that they coach and that they want their teams to play. And I think he likes that sort of system. But he's proven many times that he does change the system. Um, you've also got to go with what the opposition does. You know, if a game's not going your way and you have to change it, then you've got to be bold and brave enough to look at what you're doing and if it's not right, changing it. And you've got to have the personnel to do that and the players have got to adapt very, very quickly. So I can't see us playing completely differently uh, to start with. I think that he'll look at the players that he's brought in and if he's brought in the players that he wants, he'll pick the formation that suits them best and he'll go with that. And then I think um, it'll, it'll all be about how the season progresses. Do you see a change in formation? No, I don't. I think he's, he's proven his way of playing, is not he? Throughout, even at Ross County, you know, when he was working his way, you know, their way up the, the league in Scotland, he proved that that was his preferred method. And Danny's quite right. If, he, if things aren't going well, I think he will change it. He'll have to change it if things don't start well. But the most encouraging thing for me in this in this um, close season is the fact he's signing out and out wingers, which I don't think we've had. And okay. Ryan Taylor hasn't always scored the most amount of goals, but he works hard. But if you've got a winger that can get a decent ball in, who's to say that he won't be able to get a few more goals? So I think that's the encouraging sign for me. That he's, we know what formation he probably will start with, and he's signed players to make that formation better. 
Um, and as, I'd, I would be shocked if he started with any other formation in the opening game of the season away to Peterborough. Yeah, Richard Leach is he someone you know? Dan Leachy. Yeah, I think the name rings a bell. Yeah, he's saying, uh, saying, "Hi, Danny, how are you? I remember you well from your playing days at Argyle and your friendship with Dwight Marshall." Uh, basically, he's, he's talking about the strikers at Argyle, saying he's concerned about the front men that Argyle have. Um, he thinks Argyle look a little bit limited. So, do you think Derek Adams needs to go out and get a quality striker? And he mentions John Akindi as a potential target. Well, you know, you, you, he's another one that is big, strong, and powerful. I mean, and, and we've got two of them already at the club. And yes, Akinde's probably a level up to that, and he scores a lot of goals. Um, uh, but And if he can go and get somebody like him, great. But I still think we need players of slightly different style. Um, you know, if he wants to go and get Akinde and get rid of Ryan Taylor, then that's a like for like in a way, except Akinde does score a lot more goals. I, I still think that we've got to give it time. Yes, we do need to recruit one or two more forwards um, but I do think we need to bring one or two in that are different to Nathan Blissett and to, to Ryan Taylor Yeah, I, I imagine Derek Adams wouldn't have signed Ryan Taylor and maybe even Nathan Blissett if he didn't have half an eye on League One for this season would he? Well Ryan Taylor's uh, he got injured didn't he when he was up at Oxford and I've yeah. been very impressed with him you know, you, you've, you've seen him before you know Chris has seen him we've all seeing how he can open up the play. He brings the ball down very well from, from the air and can set up other players. And if you're signing, like you said earlier, Lemires, um, Ainsworth, Grant, if, you, if, you're, if, you, if you've got a player that can lay them off and give them chances to score, hopefully they'll take it. I, I agree with Danny, possibly we do, we do need a different type of striker, but I'm not so sure Derek Adams will sign a different type of striker because the ones he has had in the past, David Goodwill, Jimmy Spencer, has never really worked. And so it wouldn't surprise me if we did get another another guy like Ryan Taylor. Not necessarily saying that's right or wrong, but I think that is what, what he'll do. What you've got to remember is that Ryan Taylor, people like Ryan Taylor, are there to bring you up the pitch, get hold of the ball and make players come and support him very quickly and get lay people in from midfield and get it out wide. Um, he's a buffer to start your play in the attacking third of the field. But you do need players that get in behind the opposition. And our fault last season, whenever our centre-halves came across some small mobile forwards, we struggled. And that's what we want in this League 1 and League 2. Generally, they've got big, strong centre-halves. And I think the, the only way you're going to beat them on a regular basis is to have people, that, and they're very uncomfortable with smaller, more mobile players. If I was a big centre-half, I'd like to play against Ryan Taylor. I might not do well against him, but I prefer him to, than somebody that's going to be running me all over the place, getting me out wide, and really causing me a lot of problems. Well, I think that could be the jobs of these new wingers. They're out and out wingers, they'll stretch Absolutely, the I understand that. that. But I think that's what he'll be relying yeah. on. But I think he tried that with, like I said, David Goodwillie, was the one player that we've, he's brought in in recent times that was like that, but turned out that he didn't do well for us at that time. So uh, I'd like for him to bring somebody like that. Whether he does or not, it really is dependent on whether they're available or not. And as for Akinde, I don't think Argyle will be splashing out on him. It would be great. I think he is, he is the perfect fit for Argyle and Derek Adams, but I can't see him splashing out as much as Akinde will probably cost with his goal tally over the recent years. No, I mean, something Richard mentions is that the, the fact that Argyle did make a fair bit of money last year. We know that the budget has been increased, but whether that will... But John Akinde, I mean, I, his goal record is absolutely outstanding. Yeah. I mean, I would be shocked if he went for less than a million. Considering some of the transfer fees that some of these players, well, how old is he, 27? I think he's, I just don't see him being well, that well, much price plus, range. Well, well, you've got to remember, the, player, the managers at this level, League 1 and League 2, if they were given a million pounds, they might prefer themselves to go, I'll buy them one player. That one player, my squad is good enough right now, that one player is going to make the difference. 
Or you say in your budget, you say you sit down and you go, well, with that one million pounds, I can bring in four, three, two. You know, that's the decision that they're under. There's your budget. You go and do what you want with it. But if you then uh, go and get yourself two name players that have got a lot of quality, you might leave yourself very, very short yeah. over a long season playing so many games and so many tournaments um, that it may not be enough. So that's the dilemma when you've got it's, a budget. Especially if one of those players then goes and gets injured, of course. Yeah. But also, there's a common misconception amongst Argyle fans, and I was one of them that thought this before I did a research piece a few a month or two ago, is that Argyle didn't score very many goals last season, but they actually scored the third highest amount of goals in League Two. And if you took their goal, their amount of goals and put it up to League One, they scored the joint third highest amount of goals. So this idea that Argyle don't score many goals is, is, is rubbish, really. And I've, I didn't realise they scored as many as they did. So the system was working, they were scoring goals. And as yeah. long as you've got a solid defence, which it's looking like we will do. Yeah. I think okay. it's bit, that people look at set forwards, don't they? And how many goals does their forward yeah. score? Yeah. They don't realise Jake Jervis, Graham Carey, and other Sonny players, Bradley. Sonny Bradley, yeah. have, have, have all chipped in. Now, if you can get a Ryan Taylor scoring 20 goals, and then you add the midfield and the wide players to that, then you're onto a good thing. Yeah. Um, and that's what you're always going to be looking for. But, you know, uh, those players will then be worth a lot more money and yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll be in League it's, One. It is an age-old thing, isn't it? You know, fans look at strikers and they, they judge them on goals. Whereas modern football, you know, so many teams play a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-2-1 yeah. with one up front. That strikers, I think it's unfair to just judge them on goals alone these I think there has been a bit of a shift in recent times. So I think people also judge them on work rate. And I know that... Ryan Taylor works hard and I know that from sitting in the stands that people are very happy with his contribution in games and yeah maybe at the end of the season you look back at their, at their goal record but during, when you're actually there during the 90 minutes people are appreciating Ryan Taylor yeah, you he's working hard you, you won't the managers don't look the right you just said because of the formations and the change of the way things are played people don't just look at goals anymore um, especially managers and they look at the contribution that, that player makes because even Diego Costa was questioned about he hasn't scored for 5-10 games managers saying but he does a lot of other things that I like. So, you know, it, it, it would be great, yes, if you can get your set four scoring double figures and, and, and more every single every season. Ain't always going to happen. But also, you've got the likes of Taylor, Sartovic, only joined in January. They've got a whole pre-season with this team now. Yeah. And hopefully that'll only see Argyle improve come August. Yeah, we should see. One final question then. Uh, this is a man I believe you know well, Andy Bacon. <laughs> what are your predictions for 2017-18? Well, Andy, if you're listening... Um, I won't change what I've said. I don't make predictions. I never have. I never will. I just keep my fingers crossed that we have a really good season and, uh, you know, uh, playoff position for, for the club will be, will be a terrific thing. But as predictions go, football has got a very, very good habit of making you look like a fool. And I think many people have made very lot of predictions about us and many others. And uh, as you know, Andy, if you're listening, that uh, uh, I'm not going to start now. Do you think I've got to be right in, in League One, though? I think they'll be okay, yes. Yeah, okay. Fine, let's end it there. Thanks, uh, thanks Danny, for coming to join us today. Always good to see you, and thanks to Jack for joining me. Uh, that's it for this week. A uh, big thank you to the guys, as I say. We'll be back again next week, so be sure to join us then. Thank you, bye-bye. We're always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.